welcome and thank you for listening to the first ever 10 After 7 podcast with your host, Michael Cody Stevenson. It's February 26, 2018. Let's be honest, this podcast is probably three years overdue, but fuck it, we're starting it right now. Dodgers baseball's right around the corner, and that's what this podcast is going to be about. Strictly Dodgers baseball, and you should know that by the name of this podcast, 10 After 7. Let's start there. If you're a Dodgers fan, you should know every single game the Dodgers played during the week, during the regular season, that's at Dodger Stadium, starts 10 minutes after 7 o'clock. That's the way it's always been for the for as long as I can remember. And it was an important time because you knew you had to make your dinner, do your laundry, take a shower, or get your homework done to be in your seat to watch the first pitch thrown by the Dodgers at 7.10 local time. And Vince Scully was announcing most of those games. The GOAT. That's when the story started. When that first batter stepped in the box, whether he played for the Pirates, Mets, Padres, Twins, whoever it was, Vince Scully was going to give you the story of that player at exactly 7.10. And if we were lucky enough, the game would have went 15 innings, would have lasted five hours. We don't give a shit about pace of play. Especially when Vince Scully was announcing. We wanted that game to go 17 innings as long as the Dodgers ended up winning. But you know when it started, and that was 7-10. The only people that don't know when Dodger games start are out-of-towners or John Gray of the Colorado Rockies. If you remember last year, when Clayton Kershaw was on the mound, John Gray decided to walk from the Colorado Rockies bullpen in right field at Dodger Stadium to the dugout at what time? 7-10. So the umpire didn't let Clayton Kershaw throw his first pitch on time. Kershaw steps off the mound and gives John Gray a death stare right into his eyes. I swear, I thought Kershaw was going to take off his belt right there and whoop John Gray's ass. And after the game, Kershaw said it right there, plain as can be. How long have we been doing this? When you come to play the Dodgers, you should know that games start at 7-10. It's always been that way. And John Gray didn't know. He's public enemy number one every single time he comes to Dodgers because whoever's the enemy of Clayton Kershaw is our enemy as well. So I'm going to promise you listeners this. I'll only bring this up this episode only. The 2017 World Series. Los Angeles Dodgers against the Houston Astros. Dodgers should have won it. You guys probably know that. You guys probably want to blame you, Darvish, who's now with the Chicago Cubs. I guess that's an easy way to go. He choked when the game was on the line, the two biggest starts of his life, and he couldn't come up with the win. But despite you, Darvish, the Dodgers should have won that series. They won game one. I was there. It was awesome. It was hot as fuck. Chris Taylor's leadoff home run on the first pitch. 1-0 series lead. Perfect, right? Game two. This is when it went to shit. 
The goal is to get the ball and Kenley Jansen, the best closer in the game's hands. We had the lead. Jansen had the ball with the lead in the ninth. And we gave it up. You go from possibly up 2-0 in the series to 1-1. Game three, you Darvish shits the bed. We're down 2-1. Game four, we pick up that win. Jock Peterson plays big. Bellinger starts to come out of a little slump. Series tied 2-2. Game five, Clayton Kershaw. I don't say a bad word about the guy. Clayton Kershaw had a four-run lead and a three-run lead. But we lost the game. It wasn't a baseball game. I'll say that right now. You want to talk about the balls being juiced? That shit's not a conspiracy theory. I'm not making excuses for Kershaw. I'm taking shots at Rob Manfred for playing dumb all of last season. Those balls were fucking juiced. Balls were flying out of there every 10 seconds. So now we go to game six. We win that one. Corey, Corey Seager's big home run. Series tied 3-3. You could debate, should you Darvish get the ball? No one was saying Kershaw should have got the ball in game seven. Because he pitched two days prior. That wasn't going to happen. It was either Alex Wood or Darvish. People did say Alex Wood. I'll give David Vassay credit on Dodger Talk. He did bring up Alex Wood. But in that moment, you traded for you Darvish to pitch in that game. So we gave him the ball. He got shelled. We still had our opportunities in Game 7. We put runners on base every single inning. Every single inning. But couldn't bring him in. But I'm, I'm not willing to blame you, Darvish. I won't do it. We should have won that game. We should have won the series despite you, Darvish. Games two, games five should have been ours. That World Series should have been ours. Yes, the Houston Astros are talented. They got studs all around the field. But the Dodgers should have won that World Series. But I'll tell you right now, we're better for it. Because 2018, we got a team more hungry and fired up to get that fucking ring. So what did you want the Dodgers to do in the offseason following a Game 7 World Series loss? Did you want the front office to really go out and sign a big-name starting pitcher to, let's say, a six-year, $126 million deal? Or did you want them to add a left fielder, a big right-handed bat who can hit 40 bombs? Or did you want them to stick with the same team? The same team that won 104 games last season. The most in Los Angeles Dodgers franchise history. The same team that came as close as you can get to the ultimate goal for a Major League Baseball team. That's what they did. They stayed pat. They said, you know what, Chicago Cubs? You can take you, Darvish. You could sign them to that six-year, 120-something million dollar deal. And we'll see them in the playoffs and I'm going to be happy about that. And they could have Brandon Morrow as well to be their closer on a three-year contract. The Dodgers used up that arm. He pitched nearly every single postseason game for the Dodgers. 
and did a hell of a job. But I think that car is about to run out of gas and the Cubs are about to find out. And the Dodgers front office, they're bringing back the same team, but they're dropping guys in there. They made a trade for Scott Alexander of the Kansas City Royals, lefty reliever, second highest ground ball rate in all of baseball. He'll play huge in that bullpen to get a double play late in innings all year long. And it'll be talked about as a big signing down the road, but not now. The same way Chris Taylor, when the Dodgers traded for him, no one knew his name. The big name in that trade was Zach Lee, a failed prospect that the Dodgers traded away to bring in Chris Taylor, who a couple years later, who last year didn't even make the team at a spring training. And he was named the NLCS co-MVP. Every move this Dodger front office makes is calculated. It doesn't matter how big the name is. They don't need the flashy name. They don't need you Darvish, Jake Arrieta, J.D. Martinez. They're cool with the Scott Alexanders of the world. The Chris Taylors. These guys know what they're doing. And I believe they know what they were doing when they made a salary dump trade with the Atlanta Braves this offseason that took all the headlines because of one name, and that's Matt Kemp. Yes, that Matt Kemp, number 27, drafted by the Dodgers, came up in 06, should have won the MVP in 2011. There's no doubt about that. He's back in Los Angeles. And the Dodgers all offseason, it was talked about. Yeah, they got Matt Kemp back, but they're looking to trade him. They want to get out from under that contract. What does Matt Kemp do? He comes into spring training more motivated than ever. Dodgers knew that. These guys knew they were going to get a motivated Matt Kemp. He comes into spring training who no one even thought he'd make it to camp with the Dodgers without getting traded. And he's 40 pounds less than he was at the end of last year. And that's the biggest storyline going into this spring. Who's the starting left fielder for the Dodgers? And I'm cool. I'm cool with that being the biggest storyline. Instead of, hey, is you Darvish? How's he going to do in his second year with the Dodgers? Coming up, coming up after that big contract. Blowing game seven. We don't need that shit. Give that to the Cubs. The Dodgers have the most motivated team right now. The most motivated team there is in baseball is the Los Angeles Dodgers. And this offseason, they didn't need to do anything. And the little things will play big. That's what these guys do. This offseason was a success because you have the key players from last year who want it even more. So don't think of this offseason as a letdown for the Dodgers. Because in my mind, the best thing this front office could have done was bring back that same badass team who at one point last year was winning every single time they took the fucking field. Death, taxes, and how will the Dodgers manage the outfield logjam headed into spring training? Different year, same story. They have too many options in left field. Will it be Matt Kemp, Jock Peterson, Andrew Tolles, Trace Thompson, Alex Verdugo? The front office of the Dodgers will handle it the same way they do every year. They value depth. They will keep these guys around because they know it's a 162-game season and someone is likely to get hurt. Let's start with Matt Kemp. 
he'll probably get the most opportunities in spring training. Whether he's showcasing his talents for another team or he's proving to the Dodgers, he needs to be in left field on opening day when Madison Bumgarner takes the mound for the San Francisco Giants. And I'll be happy about that. I'm one of the thousand that bought that $260 jersey, the face of our franchise at one point. How crazy is this? There was discussions to be had. I kid you not. Who was the better number 27 in Los Angeles? Mike Trout or Matt Kemp? That's how good Matt Kemp was. Yes, he's older now. He's bad defensively. But that guy can still swing a bat. Last year before he got hurt, he had 10 home runs in the first month of the season. He's going to be put out there most times in spring training, and we'll see how he does. I think the next guy on that list is Jock Peterson. And truthfully, I think it's going to be a platoon with Jock Peterson and Matt Kemp. The Dodgers do like platoons, and they'll have Jock Peterson hitting against righties all year and Matt Kemp facing lefties. Now, how will Matt Kemp handle that? I don't know because he's always been an everyday player and he's had issues in the past with diva-like symptoms. Yes, I just termed that a word. And Andrew Tolles, unfortunately, he'll be the odd man out. Torn ACL last year. And he has options, so he'll probably start the year in AAA. Trace Thompson, tough luck for the guy. Injury problems. He's out of options. He'll probably be with another team. And the interesting one is Alex Verdugo. Now get this. On Sportsnet LA, this week he was interviewed and told Alana Rizzo, I believe, it's his job to lose in left field. And Jerry Hairston right away, like myself, ears poked up. And Jerry Hairston said, that's pretty bold for a young player to say in a clubhouse full of veterans who might take that the wrong, wrong way. And I believe Hairston. He's been in 100 clubhouses. So I don't know if someone's telling him something different behind the scenes, whether it's Dave Roberts or the front office, letting him know, hey, you're going to get the opportunity to start in left field on opening day. I don't believe that to be the case. I think it's Kemp and Jock Peterson platooning by the end of all this. And the Dodgers will keep all these guys around outside of Trace Thompson because they know one will go down during the year and another guy will have to step up. That's how it's been every single year at every single position for the Dodgers. And that's the one question they have going into spring training once again. And once again, they will answer it the same way they always do. Depth. Let's recap the first weekend of spring training games for the Dodgers. It all started Friday. Dodgers, White Sox, Camelback Ranch. And we knew this was going to happen. I tweeted a few days prior, imagine when Matt Kemp hits his first spring homer. The Keep Kemp movement will be full blast. We're going head on. If you trade our guy, we're going to flip our shit. And in the third inning of the game with two runners on, Matt Kemp blasts a three-run dong, and it's over. I tweet, keep Kemp movement. It's on. We have to keep this guy around. He needs to be in left field on opening day. Number 27 is back and better than ever. Dodgers went on to win that game. Justin Turner added a home run. Forsyth, Kike went deep. Wilmer Font. Deserves a lot of credit. He started that game through two beautiful innings. I'm not sure why he's not talked about as 
possibly being that fifth guy if an injury to one of the starters happens. He should be in the conversation with Brock Stewart and Ross Stripling. He's one of the better minor league pitchers in the system for the Dodgers. So the next day happens. Dodgers have a split squad against the Giants and Royals. They lose both of them. The only thing to take from one of those games is Ross Stripling started the one against the Giants, which was on Sportsnet LA, pitched a great inning. He's going to be a huge pitcher for us once again out of the bullpen or a starter, either or. And then on Sunday, national holiday, folks, Kershaw's first spring outing. Reports before the game, we thought he was going to throw two innings. That would have been better because let's be honest, one inning of Clayton Kershaw is the biggest tease in the world. You're going to have blue balls for a month once you saw that curveball. And what happened? Robinson Cano comes up and Kershaw throws a fucking filthy curveball. Already midseason form. He can go out tomorrow and throw seven innings. I swear. But instead of throwing those two innings, giving us two, he goes in the bullpen, simulates an inning out of there, then goes in and talks to reporters after the game. Dodgers ended up losing that one. Couldn't hit to save their lives. They lost 2 nothing to the Seattle Mariners. When those spring training games... When it gets to about the seventh inning and guys come in that you have no idea what their name is, although Dodger spring training games should mean something different because any guy can come in at any time during the year. We should know that by now, especially with Chris Taylor coming out of nowhere, guys like that. They should, it sh- we should stick around. But I'm sticking around because Oral Hershiser and Joe Davis. I have to give them props. They keep me entertained through that nine-inning game when the Dodgers can't hit to save their lives and most of the guys that are playing in the game, I have no idea who they are. Shout out to Joe Davis and Oral Hershiser for keeping me interested with just straight banter. The entire eighth inning, they talked about Will Smith, the actor slash rapper, and it all came about because Joe Davis had to get information on the Dodgers prospect catcher Will Smith. They they just they know how to keep you entertained, and I just am thankful that those two guys are in the booth, especially when we're early in spring, and there's not much to talk about or names to even remember. But I got to give them credit there. And that is it for the first ever 10 After 7 podcast with Michael Cody Stevenson. Get at me on Twitter at 10 After 7. If any feedback is wanted, follow me on Instagram at 10 underscore after underscore 7. Thank you all for listening. I'll be back soon. Peace. <laughs>